Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. And this week, we're going to be recapping the 2019 movie, The Perfect Date, starring Noah Centineo and Laura Murano. Noah Centineo is, first of all... A cutie. He's a cutie. He's a real cutie. He is playing an 18-year-old high school student named Brooks Radigan, which in my notes, I kept writing Brooke with an E, and then I looked it up, and it's Brooks with an S. Yes, I actually love the name Brooks. Yeah, but why not just Brooke? Why Brooks? Why make it plural? Um, I I don't know. How do you add an apostrophe to Brooks? You add it after the S. Brooks's? Brooks says. Brooks's? That's just stupid. One of my kids, his name ends with an S. Oh, yeah. Ellis. Yeah, and so it'll just be like Ellis's ball. Yeah, you ruined his life, Courtney. I'm sorry, is it your youngest's first name, your oldest's middle name? (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) Anyway, Brooks is really cute, really tall, really ethnically ambiguous, and his dad is a ginger. We don't know what his mom looks like because she apparently bounced and started a new family. Yeah, she just like left and married like a plastic surgeon. And we don't get the backstory to this. We don't know why. As a mother, it kind of blows my mind that a mom could just leave her family yeah like i said we don't get the backstory on the mom and i kind of wanted the tea like was there a torrid affair like what happened but then also the dad seems kind of docile like he's just kind of there honestly with with daddy-o there brooks could have came home and told his dad flat out that he was going to start a cocaine like drug business and his dad would have been like i think that's a bad choice but i support you because i love you (laughs) it's a bad choice but i'm also not going to confront you because i'm afraid of confrontation just like i didn't confront your mom yeah we're technically still married but i refuse to sign the paperwork um can someone do that can someone just refuse to sign the paperwork and not get divorced um for a for a certain amount of time they could but eventually a judge would cr- like would grant you a contested divorce. Oh, okay. Uh well the dad is an aspiring writer which is probably why his wife left him. Like listen, we're both writers, but can you imagine being married to a writer? No, I'm terrible. We're miserable people. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, the the thing is, his dad was a writer. His dad had several published books. Oh, okay. And then I guess after mom left, his publishing career just kind of tanked. Yeah, depression will do that to you. Can confirm. Yeah. (laughs) And then he started uh, being a professor at a local college. Okay, well, you know, obviously, Brooks's, Brooks's, (laughs) Jesus Christ, I can't make his name work. Brooks's dad is middle class. He doesn't have a ton of money. And Mm -hmm. yet, Brooke has the ambition that we see all too often in these teen movies. It's Ivy League schools, and I don't get the appeal. Yeah, Brooks wants to go to Yale. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't know why he wants to go to Yale. He doesn't know why. Yeah, and you know, even his guidance counselor who's looking over his admission essay is like, this application essay just ain't doing it. It was so vague because he doesn't know what he wants to do. He doesn't know what he wants to major in. He doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. I think he's just chasing the grandiose image that comes with an Ivy League school. Mm -hmm. And there's zero consideration of how his middle class dad is going to pay for it. And he keeps telling his dad, like his dad, who works at the local college, is like, hey, dude, you can go to the college I teach at for free, full ride. Mm -hmm. 
you know? And Brooks is like, no, don't worry about the money for Yale. Like, my dude, do you know how much Yale is? Going to Yale for four years is essentially a mortgage. And here's the thing. I think a lot of these kids, they think that if they go to an Ivy League school, they're going to graduate and live this privileged life. Mm -hmm. But what they're missing is the majority of these people going to these Ivy League schools, they come from wealthy families and they're connected. So they're graduating with jobs and connections, which someone who who doesn't come from money just isn't going to have. Listen, a four-year degree at Yale costing $240,000, that's more than I paid for my house. Dude, that's nuts. But... This this movie also has one of our favorite tropes, and it's the fake relationship. Brooks works at a sub shop yes. with his best friend, and he's there one night, and the popular guy from his school comes in, and Brooks hears him complaining about having to take his cousin to a dance. Yeah, he's a cool guy complaining to his friend that his girlfriend's parents are going to be out of town, which means him and his girlfriend would have the whole house to themselves with no parents. But... He, his parents are making him take his cousin to a dance Mm -hmm. and he's getting paid to do it. It's weird, but also if my parents... Weird. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if my parents wanted me to do something, they're not going to pay me to do it. They're just going to tell me like, hey, take your cousin out. Um, So Brooks overhears this guy complaining about having to take out his cousin for money. And Brooks is like, "Um, I'll do it. I'll take your cousin out. He doesn't even think about it. It's just immediate. Yeah, he's like, I'll take your cousin out. Like, hey, listen, let me borrow your car because apparently the guy drives a really nice car. It's a BMW. Cool guy's really confused. He's like, why on earth would you do that? And Brooks tells him, oh, I want the money. Like, simple. Yeah, and he wants to drive the guy's car. Like, come on. At first, the guy says, absolutely not. And then Brooks Brooks has an entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, fine, you know what? Um that that's cool, but you're the one missing out on, you know, a weekend at your girlfriend's house with no parents. So you're really the one suffering here. Yeah. He's like, dude, I am doing you a favor here. Um, but yeah, so the cool guy basically gives in and he's like, fine, you can take my cousin out for money. Mm-hmm. You can tell that Brooks is like all caught up in the image of like driving this BMW around, even though it's not even his. I I get it. I mean, I'm not like a car person, but if someone was like, hey, do you want to like watch my bookstore for me for the weekend? Oh, yeah. I'll be like, fuck yeah, I do. You get to like cosplay being a small town bookstore owner for a weekend. (laughs) You can be Belle waiting for the beast to abduct you. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Like, I get it. Like I said, I'm not a car person, but I feel like, you know, those are two comparable scenarios. So Brooks shows up to take Cool Guy's cousin out mm-hmm. on a date. And here's the thing. Cool Guy's cousin is really cute. Celia is very much your cynical, witty, bantery kind of teenager. And she and Brooks kind of start bantering pretty much right away i just think it's weird that she knows he's taking her out you know for money and she's totally okay with that she doesn't seem to care um i feel like she feels pretty detached from it because she's not paying them to take her out she didn't want to go in the first place so Mm -hmm. i feel like she's pretty detached from the whole thing she's like oh yeah my parents paid him to take me out Mm -hmm. um so like my parents are the weird ones here not me 
So the dance that Brooks takes Celia to is at her prep school, and it's a very nice school. Do you, do you notice that in movies, prep schools always look like castles? I do notice that. I was once at an all-girls Catholic school. Like, that was my dad's threat to me mm. anytime like I got out of hand. And it's funny because like in like 1999-2000, me getting out of hand is equivalent to like parents' goals today. Right. Yeah. You weren't like doing crack and selling your body on the streets. <laughs> no, I was giving attitude about laundry. <laughs> oh Same thing for a parent. I was home six minutes after the streetlights came on and my parents were like, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Straight to jail. So Brooks and Celia get to the dance at the fancy prep school. They get to the dance, um, and that's after Celia was like, hey, um, just drop me off at this bookstore and come back in an hour. He convinces her because Brooks is one smooth talker. Brooks is a smooth talker. He's a smooth talker, a smooth looker. He's got that low, gravelly voice. Brooks could convince me to do anything. Even crack, right? Even crack, especially crack. Especially like crack. <laughs> It doesn't take much convincing, right? I feel like you've been really curious about crack. You're probably a very small suggestion away from doing crack. Yeah. I just need a gentle nudge and permission. That's all. Um. <laughs> we are kidding. We are kidding. Courtney is not interested in crack. I'm not interested in crack. All right. Back to the dance. So they get there and Brooks convinces Celia to dance. Mm -hmm. And they're both just terrible dancers. Right. And... um. Then a slow song comes on and she tries to like wiggle away from the dance floor. And he's like, nope, this is part of the date package. He's dancing with her. Then he friggin' steps on her because he sees a really hot girl played by Camille Mendez. Her name is Shelby and she's the most popular, beautiful girl in school. And, you know, it's I don't know. It just seems like he is just drawn to the, you know, the flashiest everything, the flashiest school, the flashiest car, the flashiest girl. So obviously Shelby catches his eye. And he even tells her, like, sorry, I just saw the blinding light of an angel. Yeah. And first of all, listen, Camilla Mendez is banging hot. She does not look like an angel. She does not. She looks like a dominatrix. In every movie and show I've seen her in, she looks like she could pull out a whip from her back pocket and no one would be surprised. She oozes sex appeal. She's she's an adult, right? I'm not like being weird about a child. Camila Mendez is an adult, yes. Celia introduces him and she's angry about being there, but she's still a good wingman, you she know? Is. She's like, oh yeah, like this is Brooks. He goes to like this school and, you know, his dad's like a plastic surgeon and, you know, he's really rich. Um, and you can just see Shelby like, huh. I'll ride that roller coaster. Yeah, Shelby totally perks up, which I think, I don't know, I kind of wondered, like, if they had been honest with her and told him and told her that he doesn't actually have any money, would she have been less interested? Yeah. Well, listen, Brooks looks like he smells good. Mm -hmm. Does that make, like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. He looks like he probably has, like, that really, like, heady cologne. <laughs> yeah, the other thing I wanted to say is the fact that Brooks is almost immediately enamored by Shelby, which, you know, she's gorgeous, but I just feel like Shelby is a villain name and I kept expecting her to be a villain because of that name. Don't you feel like that's a villain name? I feel like it could be a villain name. I've only ever known one Shelby 
and she stole my blanket. Mm. She stole a quilt that my great grandmother handmade for me. Classic Shelby. Classic Shelby. So I'll agree that Shelby is a villain name. Listen, no shade to Shelby's out there. I'm just saying, if you know one, check their basement. Uh, check their closets for your blankets. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Listen, I slept with that blanket every single night until I was nine when Shelby stole it. She just ripped it away from me. You are really, like, Shelby, it's on site. Listen, Shelby, I know that it's been a long time. Several, it's been decades. Okay? And I'm, st- <laughs> I'm still mad about it. I'm gonna, I'm, I will die mad about this, Shelby. Like Rose said, it's on site. Please don't leave us for a bad review. No, Shelby, leave that review with your address because you can square up. <laughs> Shelby's about to get all the smoke. So the dance goes relatively well. Brooks and Celia have a good time. Celia doesn't seem to care that Brooks likes Shelby. And actually, she gives him an idea. She's like, hey, mm-hmm. you can kind of start a business, you know, getting paid to take women out on dates because you were good at being a fake date. Yeah. And, you know, Brooks and his Yale ambitions and his entrepreneurial spirit, he's like, oh, bet. Thanks. I, I will do this immediately, which he literally immediately does. <laughs> I know. So Brooks convinces his best friend Murphy, who works at the sandwich shop with him, yeah. to start this business venture. And Murphy just like programs an app in one night. Um, I, I call Cap. The app is called Plus One, and essentially it's an app where women just like request a perfect date and they can specifically request that he acts a certain way or looks a certain way. Murph, the developer of the app, essentially says it's like Grubhub, but for a date. Essentially, you put in like the event, like need Plus One to art exhibit. I want you to be witty and knowledgeable kind of artsy looking and then he does that and it seems like the women that are using this app they understand that brooks is faking it like they're they know that he's not the person he's pretending to be and they seem to be okay with that yeah and there's this one girl that actually hires him as dating practice he's like teaching her how to like talk to dudes and like you know listen i could have used that yeah i know like i'm still so awkward like, literally, a dude at a bar can be like, oh, my God, you are so beautiful. And I'll be like, finger guns. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Zero game. There was even a girl that requested for Brooks to be a douchey asshole to basically, like, disappoint her parents. So when she introduces him to her real boyfriend, they'll be happy. That's actually really smart. I mean, imagine your daughter brings home, like, the most like the douchiest, most terrible guy, and then she breaks up with him and brings home just an average guy, you're going to think the average guy is amazing, right? The bar is on the floor. You know what? I feel like that's one thing that we need to learn how to do. We need to set the bar on the floor to exceed expectations. (laughs) You know, it's just a basic life hack, you know, like put the bar so low. Yeah. Put the bar as low as you can. Put the bar in the subfloor. In the basement subfloor. <laughs> the bar's in the crawl space, okay? <laughs> so this is not a dating app. Um, like, people are not trying to find love. They're just trying to find a fake date. And it seems to work really well for Brooks, except that, like, 
he's getting really, really busy and he's getting notifications all the time. Yeah, he's going on date after date after date, but I don't know how much he's charging for a date, but he's making some hella money towards his tuition. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but then again, he's targeting rich girls, so maybe they're paying him thousands of dollars for each date. It doesn't show how much money, but on the tracking app to pay for Yale, he's like a third of the way there. I'm sorry, but how much money could he possibly be making to cover a 60 grand education? So it's 60 grand for a year. Is he just trying to cover his first year? I'm wondering if maybe he's just doing the first semester. You know what? If he's not claiming any of this like money and he's not paying taxes on it, like my dude, this is money laundering. <laughs> oh, white color criminal. Yes, I like it. I'm into it. <laughs> It's no surprise that I'm into it. People are like, yeah, that checks. That makes sense. <laughs> so even though Brooke's best friend helped him build the app, he's starting to get salty about Brooke's being so busy. And I don't know, like, how do you feel about that? So I think it's really easy for you to feel kind of neglected by a friend. I feel like when you're very close to somebody, it's easy to feel neglected when something else comes up. Yeah, but it's for a job. And I just feel like being jealous that your friend is busy with their job is kind of strange. Well, and yes, but also like if your friend, like if, you know, you did this solid for your friend by building them this app and then your friend won't even talk to you about your crush. Like, I feel like that's. Yeah, Brooks doesn't have time. And Brooks is kind of oblivious to the whole thing. It's like the people in his life are very passive aggressive because his friend is not telling him like, hey, I'm feeling neglected. I don't get passive aggressiveness. Like tell people how you feel like people are not mind readers. Oh no, I understand it. It is an art. <laughs> you live it, love it, laugh it. <laughs> Am I saying passive aggressiveness is the way to go? No. Am I saying this sometimes it feels good? Yeah. Are you, are you passive aggressive? I, I'm a recovering passive aggressive. Okay. I, I have, as I'm getting older, I'm learning the value of being blunt and honest and open of, you know, of appropriate adult communication styles. I'm, I'm learning. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're recovering uh, because I am anti-passive aggressiveness and it's not that I'm confrontational. It's just that my anxiety can't handle passive aggressiveness. Like I just... It makes me so anxious. Like, I need to know where I'm at, like, where I stand, you know? So the thing is, is that I've found a lot of joy in very blunt communication yeah. with passive-aggressive people because they don't know what to do. Right. Somebody can be extremely passive-aggressive towards you, and then you can just be like, okay, it seems as though you might, you may be having some issues with this proposal. I went ahead. I checked both our calendars. I blocked off 30 minutes for us tomorrow. We're going to work through this. I'm going to send you some questions and we'll get it figured out. Because when you bluntly ask somebody who is passive aggressive, like, yeah, explain to me the problem and we can fix it. They're they like, start sweating bullets. Yeah. Um, and I find joy in that a lot, too. Celia calls Brooks and asks him on a date again because she needs a date to a party. Yeah, she's like, hey, what are you doing Saturday? And he's like, um, I don't know, what's up? And she's like, um, Shelby invited me to a party. Well, she's like, Shelby invited us to a party. 
there's this guy named Franklin that I'm crushing on. And um, I need you there. This works out for both of us. You know, you get to see Shelby and I get to see Franklin. So. So, yeah, they basically join forces to make their respective crushes jealous. And again, Brooks is pretending to be a rich kid in front of Shelby, the popular girl. And Celia is going to have to pretend to be someone different to impress her crush. Celia has a crush on this like indie alternative vibe dude named Franklin. And, you know, Shelby is there. And I don't know. Shelby's character rubs me the wrong way, dude. What is it about her that rubs you the wrong way? So it's it's pretty clear that Brooks and Celia are together. They are a couple. And Shelby's still making goo-goo eyes at Brooks. You know, she's it's one of those things where she's giving off the vibe that she's down if he's down, you know? Yeah, totally. Brooks and Sylvia, they team up to wingman each other. And in the process, they start becoming friends. Which I think is adorable, you know, because Celia gives off this really, like, rough, give no shits vibe. And, like, seeing her with a friend makes me happy. (laughs) Celia is really kind of the opposite of Brooks because she doesn't care about appearances. She doesn't care about getting into, like, the best college or whatever. She even tells Brooks, like, my dad is friends with the president at Yale He's been, you know, connecting with him for years, hoping that one day he could leverage his relationship to get me in. She's like, my dad's been losing to him in poker for like 15 years. Yeah, he's setting the stage. And so she actually, she offers to set Brooks up with a meeting. Yeah, Celia uh, offers to have her dad connect him with an admissions officer, which is huge because these are the people that make the decision of who's getting into the school. And when Brooks goes to meet the admissions officer, it's kind of a disaster. Yeah. So on paper, Brooks is the perfect candidate, you know, great grades, all of, you know, all the good stuff. But the admissions officer is like, dude, you seem boring AF. Yeah. I mean, you have to know everyone who's applying to Yale has exceptional grades. So it's like, how do you stand out in a pool of exceptional people? And it's with your extracurriculars and with your interests. Your passions. Yeah, your passions. Brooks doesn't have any. His passion is going to Yale. He actually kind of like, he researched the admissions officer he was meeting with to find out his hobbies, which was honeybees. <laughs> and so now Brooks is like, oh yeah, my hobbies, Um, I've been really into bees lately. Yeah, you could see the admissions officer perks up. So Brooks is using the skill that he's been honing through his new job of pretending to be what somebody else wants him to be. And so he pretends to care about bees and it, you know, the admissions officer just goes crazy for this. Mm -hmm. He's ready to let him into Yale like today. Yeah. He even tells him, he's like, Hey, like don't give your application to my assistant, hand it directly to me. And Brooks is like, absolutely. And as they're leaving the office to go meet back up with Celia, who's in the waiting room, they talk about swapping honey. And Celia's like, what? What are you talking about, honey? And she actually gets really mad at him because she's like, you yeah. lied. Like, you lied about everything to get in. And he calls her hypocrite. Yeah, he does. Because while he's been lying 
because while he's been lying and pretending, she has as well. She's been lying to her crush and pretending that mm-hmm. she likes alternative music and all these things. So it's like she's being a hypocrite. Honestly, she is being a hypocrite. She's not even just lying about being um, somebody she's not. She actively dislikes her crush's passion. Yeah. Um, that's not going to listen. That. Listen, that's not going to work long term. If she just wants a hookup, that's fine. But it's not going to work long term if she literally hates everything this guy is passionate about. He's a street artist. Um, and earlier in the movie, she had actually was talking hella shit about his art. She, did, she didn't know it was him. But she's like, oh, my God, that street artist is, you know, doing a disservice. Like they need to be thrown in the garbage like he's trash. Yeah, she hates his art. When she finds out that this street artist that she hates and her crush are one and the same, it's really awkward. Yeah, it, it's funny because when he tells her, like, they go on a date, Celia and Franklin go on a date. He's talking about, you know, the street art. And then he's like, actually, I'm, she's like, don't say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, please don't tell me you're that horrible street artist. So now that Celia and Brooke have their crush's attention, they are planning a public breakup, which, side note, who's going to tell them that no one cares? I feel like the breakup doesn't even need to be public. It just needs to be, it just needs to happen. But they plan this public breakup at a party so that both Brooks's crush, Shelby, and Celia's crush, what's his name? Franklin. Franklin are there to witness it. Yeah. And their goal with that is they'll be there to comfort us. They can just swoop right in. Well, so Brooks wrote this breakup speech and he didn't run it past Celia, but he did tell her, like, I'm writing this breakup speech. You could tell he was working hard on it. Mm-hmm. And when he delivers it, it kind of cuts Celia to the bone. It's Even though she knows it's not real, it's hurtful. He goes straight for her throat. And I don't think he, he doesn't do it on purpose, but he's like, you're fake. You have all these walls up so people can't see the real you. You're afraid that if people see the real you, they'll realize that you're boring. And then she smacks him in the face. <laughs> yeah, you can tell she is visibly hurt. He thinks it's all part of the act. So he like he storms away. Yeah. And he's texting her like, yeah, good game, man. Like that smack it was, yeah. you know, Great touch. good luck with Franklin. And as he's like good gaming her, Shelby just swoops in and is like, are you OK, Brooks? Immediately. Shelby, the the villain, let's just call her the villain at this point because we don't like her. <laughs> she wastes no time coming for Brooks and they talk for two seconds and they end up making out. It's like, okay, sure. Listen, if making out with either of them was on the table, it would only take me two seconds, <laughs> to be honest. Two seconds. Yeah. It's- <laughs> yeah. Shelby invites Brooks to a formal and he's like, how many formals does your school have? Jesus Christ. <laughs> and she says enough to pay for the stables. Yeah. They're just raising money. Um, So, In a way, it seems like Brooks is getting what he wanted. Like he's got, you know, he Uh he had the meeting with the admissions officer for Yale. He now he has his crush. It seems like he's completely oblivious that he has pushed away everyone around him. Yeah. Even his dad is like, hey, man, things are getting weird. Yeah. And his friend, his best friend, Brooks's best friend, 
actually switch switches shifts with someone else so he doesn't have to work with Brooks. Okay, can we award the passive aggressive crown to his best friend? Like, can you imagine I just change shifts and don't show up for the podcast and you're sitting here like, what happened? I'm like, I'm recording on a different day where you are not. <laughs> Is somebody else filling in for you? It's like, just like it's, it's just like, is it just Mr. Rose? Just like, all right. But do you know what I mean, though? Like, that's so passive aggressive, like without warning, like use your words, people. Come on, cut it out. If you're mad at someone, tell them why you're mad. Text your friend and be like, hey, I know you're really busy with, you know, your gigolo business, but I'm kind of having like a crisis with my tuna melt crush. So I'm going to need you to um, step into friend mode for like 20 minutes. Best life advice we can give you is be honest and direct with the people you care about having in your life. If you don't care about having them in your life, then you don't have to be honest and direct, but don't expect Uh people to read your mind. You know, when Rose ignores me on Facebook Messenger for too long, I'll literally say, pay attention to me. (laughs) And then I'll go, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I've been busy. I've been playing Minecraft all day. (laughs) Sorry. I've I've been, I've been uh, trapping Minecraft villagers in a dungeon and forcing them to breed to populate our mountain castle that we built. Are you serious? It's a whole thing. It's a family thing. Yeah, totally. Not kidding. (laughs) Listen, in our defense, they were zombie villagers and we cured them. And then you throw bread at them and little hearts appear and then they make little villagers. So it's like it's all PG. But the thing is that we needed to keep them in one place. So we had like a dungeon just like lined with beds because you need a bed for each villager. So it looked creepier than it was. You know what? If that's a simulation and the world we live in is a simulation, somebody's going to trap you in a dungeon, (laughs) pump you up with carbs and make you reproduce. That sounds like a dream. Okay. Um, (laughs) I've never met a carb I don't like. (laughs) I want all of that except the having babies. I don't want the having babies. That sounds awful. (laughs) The bread sounds amazing. Um, So, you know, Brooks is getting everything that he wants. And at the same time, his Uh best friend is mad at him. Celia is not returning his text messages. um, And he is completely oblivious as to why she's mad at him. Brooks goes to the formal with Shelby. They go out to dinner first and like Shelby looks amazing. And I think it's impossible for Camila Mendez to not look amazing. Right. But uh, I digress there. That's neither here nor there. And they're at dinner and he talks about, you know, her plans for the future. And she's like, oh, wow, I don't have like everything figured out. And then she proceeds to lay out a very detailed 10 year plan. Right. And it's clear that she comes from a different world than he does. Uh-huh. It seemed like when she said, I don't have everything figured out, it seems like Brooks was relieved because he was like, oh, I don't have everything figured out. I don't I want to get into Yale, but I don't really know what I want to do with my life. And Shelby's like, oh, totally. I get it. And then she does her five year plan. And then she lays out this like detailed plan about college and her majoring and interning and opening her own private equity firm and all this stuff. She's like, yeah, but then after that, you know, it's all kind of up in the air. It's wide open. Like my 50s, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing there. Yeah. And she's like, I don't know, maybe sometime between like opening my private equity firm and then adding partners, I might have kids. I don't know. You could see that Brooks is kind of realizing that he doesn't have a ton in common with Shelby. Yeah. And it's funny because at the same time, Celia is realizing she doesn't have anything in common with Franklin. Right. And Brooks also 
has been lying to Shelby this whole time because she thinks that he's rich. Mm -hmm. Brooks and Shelby get to the dance. And one of the girls that used Brooks's service is there. And she's like, hey, Brooks, thank you so much. You know, using your service really helped me find the courage to talk to Jeff here. And now we're like happily dating. So thank you. And Shelby's like, service? What is she talking about? Right. So then this is where Shelby finds out that Brooks has this side gig where he pretends to be what his dates want. This is where she finds out that Brooks doesn't come from money and that he's actually poor. She finds out he doesn't come from money, that he's poor, and that basically everything he's told her has been a lie. And he's like, I was just afraid that, you know, you would be too good for me. And she's like, oh, no, I am too good for you because I'm not a total lie. Right. So she's more mad at him for lying than she is for Mm -hmm. him being poor. Like you said, even if he came straight out with being poor, she'd have been like, I'd still hit it. Yeah, because he's hot, but now he's a liar. And so here we are. Brooks has, you know, lost everything at this point. Not really. He still has his connection to Yale, but um, his best friend isn't talking to him. Celia isn't talking to him. And now Shelby has essentially told him she's not interested in him. Yeah. Well, he tries to go up and talk to Celia at the dance and he's like, hey, where's Franklin? She's like, yeah, we didn't hit it off. Where's Shelby? And he's like, oh, I told her everything. And she dipped. And then he's like, do you want to dance? And she's like, no, I'm not your backup. I love that. Which good for her. Yeah, good for her. Don't be some guy's backup. You know what? Like that's kind of rock bottom for him. She even says, it turns out I'm interested in clueless. What does she say? Clueless gigolos. Clueless gigolos. And it's almost like he still doesn't get the hint because he's like, oh, that's so weird. I don't, I wish I knew a clueless gigolo. <laughs> it's like, he's so stupid. Yeah. yeah. Oh. The fact that he has a shot getting into Yale, like, really? Like, really? You poor, stupid, stupid boy. <laughs> you know what? Like, men should be kept in a Minecraft villager dungeon and fed bread <laughs> and only brought out for breeding. Yes. Um. Sure, 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 sure. Sometimes I'm afraid that I'm like admitting to being an accomplice in some sort of weird thing you have going on and the FBI is going to like raid my house. Sometimes I'm a little afraid of that. Not 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 afraid enough to stop doing this with you, but just just enough, just a little bit. You know, sometimes I am also afraid the FBI is going to raid my house because of some of the off the wall shit I say. And I'm going to have to like admit I'm not actually dangerous. I just talk a lot of shit. The next shot we have is of Brooks typing up his admissions essay, which is kind of how the movie started, was him trying to write an admissions essay for Yale. Yeah, so he writes up this admissions essay, and then he's actually waiting at a coffee shop, you know? And Celia shows up, and he's like, hey, thanks for coming. She thinks she's there to read his admissions essay. Mm -hmm. She really wants to be there because she wants him, but he's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) it's not his fault he doesn't seem to realize it but yeah so she reads his admission essay he walks off and it turns out that it's not an admission essay for Yale he tells her before he leaves actually it's not for my Yale admissions he's like I actually accepted UConn's offer and then he just dips and she's like well what the hell am I reading and it's an admission essay to the University of Celia He talks about how all his life he's been trying to fill a void by trying to get big things like the big school, Mm -hmm. like the most popular girl, like the nicest car. 
And he realized like he wasn't being himself. And the only time he felt like he was himself was when he was with her. Baby, these are just mommy issues. It's okay. Oh, honey. <laughs> honey, bunny. <laughs> <laughs> these are mommy issues. Yeah. And he actually kind of like, he comes clean with his dad and he tells his dad that he's essentially been a gigolo for the past couple months. Right. Um, and his dad's like, I knew something was going on. You know, I saw the cowboy costume. And I was confused, but willing to go with it. His dad is uh, confused, but happy to be here. Yeah. And like I said before, it seems as though his dad doesn't really have a backbone. Right. And Brooks could have been like, dad, I'm building a meth lab in the basement to pay for Yale. And his dad would have been like, I think that's a bad idea, but I support you, son. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, I mean, I kind of resent this in these movies is the fact that this is not the first movie where like the guy confesses his feelings over a note or like mm -hmm. just just some other way. It's like a passive aggressive display of love. You want John Cusack in a boombox yeah. outside your window. I think they're trying to avoid being cheesy, but they don't understand. Like you can't avoid it. You have to lean into it. You have to sprinkle it all over. Give us the cheese. You know what? Like, I want my Olive Garden waiter to get carpal tunnel from the amount of cheese <laughs> that he's giving me, okay? Totally. I, I'm trying to imagine that visual with someone that doesn't know what you're talking about, has never been to <laughs> Olive Garden. They would be so confused. Like, how is he getting carpal tunnel? So they grate the cheese over your salad and they tell you, you know, tell me when to stop. Yeah. And Courtney wants to just make just direct <laughs> eye contact with them as they run out of cheese. They are so uncomfortable. They like file report with HR. They like they stop occasionally and they're like, keep going. <laughs> and I'm just like, yes, keep going. Ma'am, if you just want a bowl of cheese, we can we can arrange that. Okay, nobody told me that. <laughs> can you? The movie basically ends with Celia showing up at Brooke's house and mm -hmm. I mean, she tells him that he was accepted to the university of her. Well, so he tells Celia that he kills the app. He's like, I, I'm not taking any more requests. I'm declining all of them. And so he's laying on the couch watching TV and he's just getting request after request after request. Like, it's an emergency. Mm -hmm. Be my date. Yeah. And he's not, He it's not clicking in his thick skull, his thick, beautiful skull. It's not clicking. He's just like, decline. He's so decline, dumb. Decline. And she just, like you said, she just shows up at his house. Yeah. So it was Celia doing this and she's outside of his house and there's like this thing and they kiss and it's, you know, cute. And never mind that she's going to Michigan and he's going to Connecticut and long distance relationships when you're 18 just shouldn't. I don't let's let me not step on any toes. To me, that feels like a tomorrow problem. You know, I mean, I guess, honestly, for someone like me who's really anxious, it's hard to have a tomorrow problem when I can have it today. If I could be anxious about every tomorrow today, why not? Yeah, that's not good advice, <laughs> um, but I can relate. Yeah. Um, and that's where the movie leaves us. Like I said, I, I it fell a little flat for me. I wanted I wanted more cheese. Like, listen, I'm committing. I'm watching a cheesy movie. Give me the freaking Parmesan cheddar, Mexican three, you know, three different Mexican cheeses, quesadilla. Put it in there. I want it all. I want 
to be so cheesed out by the end of a movie that I'm like disgusted with myself. Yeah. You feel bloated and like, oh, I had too yeah. much. I had too much. Yeah. Um, and then you're like, more. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10 would do again. <laughs> I, that's why I like Twilight so much, man. It's so cheesy, but it checks all my boxes and I keep going back to it. The teapot is empty for today. Don't worry. More is brewing it on the way. We'll be back next week with another episode. We'll see you next time. Bye.